Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you here this morning. Many of you, I'm sure, sore from shoveling, perhaps a little groggy from New Year's last night. It's great to have you joining with us this morning. Uh, we will be looking at Luke 2, starting in verse 8. So if you have your Bible here, you can open that up to Luke 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you. Feel free to take that. That is a gift to you. We'd love to give you God's Word. You can take that home, uh, and uh, we'd encourage you to read it. Uh, a few weeks ago... In Long Island, a police sergeant named John Eric Negron was called to the home of a woman who had gone into labor. He arrived on the scene, and the woman was so far along, he wound up assisting her as she delivered the baby. Now, around the police station, uh, he's earned the nickname the Baby Whisperer uh, because this was not the first time that he'd helped someone deliver a baby. In fact, this was the fifth baby he had delivered while on the job. Isn't that wild? Now, when I read this story, it was under a heading, Stories of Joy. Now, why do you think this story was a story of joy? Now, I I grew up working in camp. I'm not good at standing up here and preaching. So what do you think? Why, Why is this story a story of joy? Shout it out. New birth, life, yeah. Sacrifice, right, of a police officer. When I, when I preached the sermon in Bracebridge, someone yelled out, babies. Of course, of course, babies bring us joy, right? In fact, we call them uh, bundles of joy, right? The article said, boy, that's a lot of bundles of joy. Well, I, I believe stories like this bring us joy because they reflect to us. They're, they're rooted in, and the point of this is it, it's to point us to the greatest story ever told. The story we're going to look at today is a story about a baby being born, but no ordinary baby. A baby who brought good news of great joy. And this joy is not just for our Christmas season, uh, but it should bring us joy throughout the year. So as we consider the year ahead, 2023, let's be reminded of the greatest story ever told. So let's look at Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them." 
Now, this passage opens with, in the same region. So let's give it some context. You see, earlier in the chapter, we read that Caesar Augustus had made a decree that all the world, the known inhabited world that was under uh, the governance of Rome at the time, must return to their city of origin to be registered. Now, this was done so that Rome would be able to count the people and be able to tax them. This was, a, this, this was for tax purposes. So Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth, where they were living, all the way to Bethlehem, a nearly 80-mile walk, while Mary was well into her pregnancy. Then in verses 4 to 7, we see that Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, I don't know about you, but while I read Luke's account of this story, I find it so interesting, right? This is one of the most incredible stories ever in history, and he describes it in very few simple sentences, right? There was a decree, they moved to Bethlehem, they had a baby, it was in a manger. It's pretty straightforward, right? No flourish, no hyperbole. Do you find so often in our modern age, we tend to inflate events, right? We use really colorful and exaggerated language. What'd you have for breakfast? Oh man, I had a million waffles. Really? A million million waffles? Yeah, they were awesome. Really? Your waffles were, were awesome? You know what? Jesus coming to earth, that is awesome, right? Let's claim that word back. Our modern language today is so full of this type of hyperbole, and yet Luke presents the greatest story ever told in three very simple and beautiful sentences. Let's continue on in verse 8 here. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now imagine that scene, right? Fields of Bethlehem, darkness. The angel of the Lord suddenly appears to these unsuspecting shepherds. The angel scared the living daylights out of them, right? They were like, whoa! (laughs) They were terrified, And rightly so, for this was a sudden appearance of a supernatural figure. And what does the angel say to them? In verse 10, it says, fear not. It is striking that the human emotion that was first encountered by the angel was that of fear. Now, it's clear they were afraid because of this shocking display in front of them, but people were also very afraid in that day. They were afraid of many things, as we are today. They were afraid of the rulers of the day. There were wars. There was economic insecurity, mass illness, housing shortages. Any of this sound familiar? Perhaps the most striking thing to us about this story is that we can so easily put ourselves in that situation, that situation of fear. For by far, the dominant mood of the hour today is that of fear, is it not? Fear runs rampant in our world. Fear of the culture war we're experiencing right now. Fear of being exposed to illness. Fear of what our children have to face as they grow up. Will they be able to find a good job, afford a house? Or even fear of being alone, misunderstood, and 
mistreated. Listen, we all have fear in our lives. We've all gotten pretty good at numbing ourselves to our fears, right? But it doesn't make them go away. And yet, the first word of the angel to those, or the first words of this angel to these shepherds in the field was, fear not. It has been said that the words fear not appear in the Bible 365 times, one for every day of the year. That's a quaint thought. Uh, I remember hearing that in youth group growing up, but it's not entirely accurate. In fact, the Bible speaks to the issue of fear many, many more times than that. So it's clear to us as we work our way through the scripture that God doesn't want us to go a single day without hearing this word of comfort, fear not. So continuing on in verse 10, the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angel has come to make an announcement, right? An announcement that will cast out fear. Leave your fear behind. I have an announcement for you. This is big. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior, the long-awaited promised Savior was born in Bethlehem, a deliverer. Because of the presence of this deliverer, you need not be afraid of anything. The reason, of course, is that a Savior has been presented, a deliverer, a rescuer, one who is adequate to free us from any threat and danger in any situation. That is why the shepherds were told not to be afraid. It did not make any difference what Herod or the Romans would do or what the clever manipulative minds of men would try to set in motion. There was a deliverer, a savior among them. A redeemer had come who would change the situation and use it for his own glory and to bring them through. Therefore, the announcement from that angel was, fear not. Now, this announcement is good news of great joy. Rather than bringing fear, which is the appropriate response to seeing the glory and greatness of God, right? I would be losing my mind if I saw an angel in real life. But the gospel is being presented as good news. It's described by the angels as great joy that will be for all the people. It is a message of joy because a Savior and Lord had arrived to save and to reign over us including those not born of Jewish descent. It is a message of joy because the Savior and Lord is the one who brings peace and acceptance from God himself. To receive the good news of the gospel is to come to understand that despite our background, despite our failures, God reaches out to us with the loving message of peace. Receiving the gospel is not just understanding some abstract idea, but it is believing by faith that the glorious God of the universe is now pleased with us and speaks peace into our personal lives. The result is release from fear and entry into freedom and joy and an eager seeking after this Lord. Now, for some of you sitting here today, maybe this is a story you've heard year after year and you've become numb to it. When you hear the word joy, you think, boy, that would be nice. 
joy in my current circumstance? I don't think so. Maybe for some of you, that joy has lost its meaning. In fact, the Christmas season for you is a stressful, hectic, and joyless season. And I'm not just talking about shoveling. I did a lot of that. (laughs) It's a time when family squabbles, right? And and, uh, frequent pressures are high. A season when you try to squeeze too many visits in a short period of time. I know we tried to squash Christmas into yesterday. When you look forward to the end of your holiday so you can get back to that restful schedule of nine to five workdays, where is the joy in that? For some of you, Christmas is a lonely season, a time when you're reminded of loved ones that you have lost. And when you hear the word joy, your heart has become hardened to the reality of it. Some of this may be because we've lost a true understanding of what joy is. In fact, we've accepted the world's understanding of joy. Well, what is the world's definition of joy? They believe that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Does God promise that if you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ? We're guaranteed pleasure, happiness. Is there anywhere in scripture that says that? Are we always going to be happy? Are we guaranteed an easy life? No. In fact, John 16, says, In the world you will have tribulation. In other words, we will have troubles. We will have suffering. But is that where the passage ends? No. But take heart, I have overcome the world. True joy is not found in you or me. It's not found in the stuff we own or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It is found in dependence on the one who provides real joy, the one who has overcome the world. So if that's the case, how are we to face trials, the suffering, this tribulation we were talking about? Well, James 1 offers some some encouragement. It says simply, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. (laughs) Wait, what? Count it all joy? When we face challenges and suffering, we're to be happy? (laughs) We're to be joyful? Yay, more suffering. Seems a little false, right? Are we supposed to fake it till we make it when we face challenges? Pace on a smile in the midst of difficult circumstances and difficult seasons? Pretend that we're not suffering? No, of course not. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. So what is that difference? Well, if Kai were preaching today, he would likely quote some of the greats, you know, Spurgeon or John Calvin. Uh, Today I'm going to quote John Avery Whitaker. I'm sure some of you recognize that name. (laughs) He's a fictional character from an audio drama called Adventures in Odyssey. And in the episode Count It All Joy, Mr. Whitaker is in the midst of a conversation with Erica, who is trying to find joy in every situation, but nearly has an emotional breakdown in the process. So he responds to this question, what's the difference between joy and happiness? And he says this, he says, joy has nothing to do with feeling happy. It doesn't mean we walk around with smiles plastered on our faces and pretend that nothing bothers us. The joy we have as Christians is rooted in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. You see, he conquered death and sin. They have no hold on us anymore. Why, even though we feel bad or hurt or angry or depressed, we can still be joyful. So Erica says then it's okay to feel all of these things, I mean, angry and hurt and all that. 
Of course it is. We're only human. What's not okay is letting those feelings take over your life. You need to deal with them and put them behind you. The best way to do that is to remember that you were made for something better, serving the Lord. And that's what counted all joy really means. You see, God gave us emotions. It's okay to feel them. The reminder here is that we were made for something more than drowning in those feelings. We were made to serve the Lord. And in so doing, we tap into the one who provides joy regardless of our circumstance. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the good news of great joy. We celebrate not just that Jesus has come, but he came with a purpose. There's a reason Christ came to earth as a child. You ever wonder about that? Why didn't he just show up as like a man, king, you sit on the throne? Well, he actually came to grow up and live the perfect life that you and I couldn't. He came to sacrifice himself on a cross taking the sin of the world upon himself so that we can be justified and made righteous in the eyes of God. He came to conquer death so that you and I might live. So if you're in the midst of a trial, if you're struggling to feel joy as we come out of this Christmas season, be encouraged. Be reminded of the good news of great joy. You see, God will eventually say enough to all of our pain, to all confusion. Don't let the fleeting tough times of today turn you from the one who's currently planning your escape. And he's planning to triumph over the sadness of this world. He understands your weakness. He understands this life is hard and that you long for a release from it. And at the proper time, he won't disappoint in providing you just that. See, when things appear to go badly for us, it can be tough to handle it in the moment, but we must remember that joy is found in the hope we have in our future. There is a time coming very soon when complete satisfaction, relief from suffering, and all-encompassing joy will be the eternal theme of God's children. Until then, ask the Lord for joy. C.S. Lewis says, No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. For those who knock, it is open. Let's continue our passage in verse 15. Now, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So when the shepherds heard the noise, did they wander their way over to Bethlehem? Did they go home and check in with their family first? No, they went with haste, right? They went with haste to see Jesus. They had to meet him. What an encouragement to us. We've heard the message, go to Jesus. If you've just heard this message for the first time, I'd encourage you, go to Jesus. Go with haste. Don't wait. Run to him as the shepherds did. We don't have to run far. In fact, he's risen and present with us right now. He listens. We can simply speak to him out loud or in our mind, and guess what? He listens. He will will welcome you the way you are. He welcomed a bunch of shepherds, didn't he? 
funny that they were the first people that were chosen (laughs) to find out about Jesus. The angel said they had a message of good news, of great joy that will be for, for who? For all people. I heard that. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. So who are, who are the Gentiles? Well, this is simply a term that refers to those who are not Jewish. So probably most of us in this room, right? Up until that point, God had chosen the Jewish people to worship him and to fulfill the, the mission of proclaiming his truth among all the nations of the world. But now Christ had come to extend the opportunity to the Gentiles as well. See, this good news was not just for the Israelites anymore. It was beyond. It was good news for all people and good news of great joy. So how do we get this joy? Well, the verse, uh, the verse says that the, it was for all the people. It is not limited to certain types of people from certain places, but all people throughout the world and throughout all of history. This is good news for us today. The Bible makes clear that if we recognize our sin, our imperfection before God and confess it to him, agreeing with him that we are sinful and we ask him to to forgive us, we put our trust in Christ as our sin-buried substitute, then God will forgive us. So if you're sitting here today thinking, "I, I can't come to God, I've got too much stuff going on in my life, maybe once I get things together, then, then I'll consider it. Then, then I'll think about it. Well, Romans 5.8 says this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So after we clean ourselves up a bit, No, right? While we were still sinners. Don't think you have to get your act together before Christ will accept you. See, God's word says that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Jesus, we don't need to do works to earn his love. It's grace alone through faith alone. Grace alone means that God loves and forgives and saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the work of Christ. Our best efforts can never be good enough to earn salvation, but God declares us righteous for Christ's sake. We receive that grace through faith alone. God even gives us the faith that trusts him. We're not saved by obeying a list of to-dos and and don'ts, but by grace through faith in Christ. Now, after the shepherds met Jesus, what did they do next? Well, the passage says they made known the saying that had been told and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So what did they do? They went and told everyone, right? They were so excited. They had to tell everyone the great news. The shepherds were changed by this experience and they went back proclaiming the message about Jesus. So let me ask you something. Have you been changed by Jesus? If so, have you told anyone about it? Has that change been apparent to those around you, your family, your neighbors? See, when the angels said that they brought good news to the shepherds, the Greek word they used is something like that. (laughs) It's the same word from which we get the word evangelize. Evangelism is to tell someone the good news of Jesus. These angels told the shepherds the good news that Jesus was born. The shepherds told others the good news, and followers of Jesus today are still telling people the good news of Jesus. God has intended to use each of us to go and tell others about Jesus. 
the shepherds were changed and the natural thing to do was to tell others about it. We're called to do the same. So you might be sitting here thinking, well, then we just have Christmas. It's like New Year's. That's why we do this. This is a story for us all year, right? This is a story for us to share all year. So be reminded today that Jesus is the ultimate promise fulfilled. Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. Because of Jesus, we have the hope of heaven and the promise of peace as we go through life here on earth. Amen. I cannot think of a better reason to be filled with joy. When life gets hard and we feel joy slipping away, we can refocus on Jesus and be filled again.